Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. It's so faithful to the tribe, it's so faithful to you. God is good, God is good. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Can we just pray in the spirit for the next couple of minutes or perhaps seconds? In the brado, see the Latisha Lavaha. Open my heart, open my eyes, open my heart, open my eyes, that I may see your word, that I may behold scripture, that I may receive instructions in righteousness. Open my eyes, O Lord. That I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Break up that fallow ground. Pray in the spirit. Get your heart ready. Get your heart ready. Get your heart ready. Get your heart ready to receive God's word. El prando sivala katasha, el brandi gadunja, isatala de baraskas. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you, Lord. It's such an honor to be a vessel communicating your word to your people. I do not take it for granted, Lord, as I'm about to share your word and teach your word. I ask that every heart is blessed, strengthened, edified, encouraged by the power of the spoken word and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Can we? Have a very loud amen in the room. It can be an E amen <laughs> or a verbal one, whichever one you would like. Well, let's the church say amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Welcome your e neighbor to church. Tell them it's good to have you around. Good to have you around. And if you have a neighbor who is not in the room, you can go get your neighbor right now and get everybody to be on board because God's word is about to fly at you. Praise the name of the Lord. And you need a level of um, attention to be able to catch what the Spirit is saying. Okay. Pastor, it's good to see you. <laughs> so good to see you. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Looking unto our Father Abraham, thank you very much, Nam, so, um, for that introduction. Thank you so much for your commitment as well to the service uh, of the kingdom at the Papa and trying to celebrate you. Amen and amen. Okay, let's get right into God's word. Um, Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51. It's a very profound verse of scripture. All right. Um, what will happen here, um, pastors, um, I'll, not, I'll need to um, pray your indulgence. I mean, be teaching for a number of Thursdays just to establish this. All right, before the pastors begin to come after me, because I just sense, you know, a level of um, a level of communication that will require some weeks to properly establish. All right, before we begin to have other pastors examine the spot. Okay, so um, it's important that we do justice to what the Lord has laid in our heart. Um, and from the standpoint of, of, you know, the set man, it's important to also have a clear idea of the goal of God in bringing about a teaching series all right so uh, we're not just trying to create series because you know want to make a trend or, or trying to be funky in any way no every series has a goal has an objective has something god has in mind and it's important that we pay attention to that objective because without that objective predefined we cannot necessarily measure success we cannot really say this is 
you know, God has achieved what he wanted to achieve. So it's important that we stay faithful to that call. Isaiah chapter 51 from verse 1, Bible says that hearken unto me, all right? It says, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. It says, ye that seek the Lord. It says, listen to me. And that begins to talk about a certain prototype that they need to behold. It says, look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. And it says, unto the whole of the peace from whence you were dug. It says, look unto your father Abraham and unto Sarah that bear you. It says, for I called him alone. I blessed him and I increased him. Isaiah chapter 51 from verse 1. So it says, hearken unto me that follow after righteousness. That is, if you are not interested in righteousness, you shouldn't pay attention to what I'm about to say. But it says, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, ye that are seeking the Lord in the year 2022, pay attention to what I'm about to share with you. Because this is not for those who are not seeking the Lord actively. This is for those who are actively seeking the Lord. It says, those that follow after righteousness, those that seek the Lord, pay attention to this. It says, look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. And it says, look unto the hole of the pit from whence you were dug. And he says, this rock and this pit is Abraham. He says, Abraham is the person you look unto. He says, look unto your father, Abraham, and then look unto Sarah that bear you. He says, because I called him alone. And he says, I blessed him alone. And he says, I increased him alone. Called him alone. Blessed him alone. Increased him alone. Wow. But you see, I'm still interested in the discourse in verse 1. He says, look unto the rock from whence you were healed and unto the whole of the peak from whence you were dug. You see, it's important when you read scripture that you pay attention to every single word. You see, God's word is so deliberately handpicked by God that every phrase means something. Every word, every jot. That's why no jot will escape fulfillment. Every single dimension. Of God's word is anointed. And if you can stay on that word long enough, it will build into your life capacity. It will build into your life a revelation knowledge. Praise the name of the Lord. It looks like there's someone with the mic on. Can you turn it up, please? Thank you. All right. It will build into your life capacity. Look unto the rock from whence you are healed and unto the whole of the peat from whence you were dug. And if you notice that those are like two extremes, it says Abraham is both a rock and a peat. <laughs> Did you see that? You see, these are things you will not see by just reading and just reading. You, you, you've got to meditate to understand, okay, why is God choosing to use this different dimensions, these different metaphors, these different symbols to exemplify a certain type of person in scripture? He says, Abraham is not just a hole of a pit. He's also a rock. Abraham is not just a rock. He's also a pit. Now, a rock talks about the height of a rock. It speaks to the divinity of Abraham. It speaks to the God factor in Abraham's life. It speaks to the blessedness of Abraham. It speaks to the covenant nature that he had with God. It speaks to the divinity that is so much of a force in his life. The force of righteousness, the force of the blessing, the force of the covenant of God with him. That's the rock. He says, look unto the rock. <laughs> but he says, that's not all that there is to Abraham. There is also a clear version of Abraham. He says, there is a clay, there is a peak, there is a hole that is down. It's not as high as the rock, but it's not also on the plane. It's down. It's a pit that you dig into the ground. As though God was trying to say that there are two dimensions that make Abraham. 
There are two dimensions, the rock and the clay, the divinity and the humanity. And, and you see, these are some things that I began to realize lately, especially after listening to some people that work back, including Pastor Delish, which, by the way, if you have not been listening to work back this year, Please go ahead and listen to those teachings. They will bless your heart. And pay special attention to the teaching of the Father and the Lord, Pastor Daniel Shumatine. It was so profound. One of the things he said is this, when the devil comes to you saying, if you are the son of God, you step it down and say, you know what? Man shall not be that bread alone because right now I'm not about to be the son of God. This is not the time to be a rock. <laughs> this is the time to be a <laughs> he says, and when he brings it to the man level and says, oh, you're just a man. You tell him, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whenever he steps it down, bring it high. Whenever he steps it down, bring it low. That's the only way to negate the plans and the purpose of the devil over your life. Because if you are not facing bumps on your road, you just might be going in the same direction with the devil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're not facing bumps and resistance on your way in life, you just might be going in the same direction with the devil. So one of the signs that you're still fulfilling purpose is the possibility of resistance on your path. It's the possibility of the devil looking at you and fighting you. It's the possibility of the devil touching you. Because if it's not, that means you guys are just right on the same path. There's no resistance because you're flowing in the same direction. So it says, listen, Abraham is not just a rock. He's also a peak. He's not just a rock. He's also clay. He's not just high. He's also low. Faith is found in the middle. Faith is what creates the tension, the perfect tension between a rock and the peak. He says, Abraham is a perfect example. Look at him as a rock. That is, there is a dimension of God upon his life. But the reason why he needs faith is because he's also a peak. If he was only rock, he would never need to have faith. Rocks don't need to have faith. Inherent in every rock is the capacity to do exactly what they said they would do. A rock always lasts forever. And that's why you see why God creates some elements in the world. It's to demonstrate some of his capacity. He, he, he says, I'm the rock. You, you need to go and check what a rock is like. Because a rock can last for thousands of years and not reduce its structural elements and integrity. Because that's what a rock is made of. A rock is everlasting. A rock is timeless. A rock is not dependent on situations or circumstances. It stays strong. It stays good. It stays everlasting because it's a rock. A clay on the other side is subject to degeneracy. A clay on the other side is just a man. A clay on the other side has weakness and limitations. A clay on the other side needs help. And that's why we've been examining mercy and welfare. Because you see, if you are not a peach, you wouldn't need a rock. <laughs> If you are not a peach, you won't need a rock. And faith is found in the middle where a man is looking up to God and saying, God, I believe in you. The reason why men fall is because they think of themselves too rocky. Whereas they're peace who are just living in denial. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 39, verse 5, it says, Every man at his best state, that is the most improved version of man, the most optimized man, the most perfectly crafted man. At his best state, having the best conditions, having the best schools, having the best parents, having the best resources, having the best friends, having the best wife, spouse, everything. It says every man at his best, most optimized state, when you sum his life together, it is equal to vanity. Every man at his best state is altogether, altogether vanity. It's altogether vanity. If we were not peace, we wouldn't be needing a rock. And faith is found where men look up to God. Where men look up to God. If all you are concerned about is your peak dimensions, you will live a defeated life. If all you focus on is your rock dimensions, 
you will live a very arrogant, frightful, and naive life. You will think that you're standing whereas you're already falling. Bible says, let him that sinks that he stands. The reason why he thinks he's standing is because he thinks he's too rocky to fall. He thinks he's too rocky to be subject to the beggarly element of this world. And so he does not put accountability structures around him. He does not put systems and structures around him that will keep him on the faith lane. And so he assumes that he's always a rock that will never change, that his structural integrity is not subject to degeneracy, that would always be there at that height of spiritual maturity and strength for all time and in all situations and circumstances. Rick Warren said, he said, given the proper conditions, I am capable of doing literally anything. So when I see someone who has fallen, I don't respond in pride, I respond in mercy and compassion, understanding that if I was in the same shoes, I just might be capable of doing the exact same thing. And so Abraham is not just a rock. Abraham is just as much a people. Look unto your father Abraham. All right? Look unto the rock from where she were hewn. There's structural integrity there. He says, but that's not all there is, Abraham. It's also a hole of feet from where she was dug. He's high, but he's also low. And that's where faith resides. Faith is an attempt of a feet. It's trying to live the rock life. <laughs> an attempt of a rock life. That's what faith is about. Because if all I am is a feet, there's no need to have faith. If all I am is a rock, there's no need to have faith. Faith is found in that tension between the rock and the feet. That's where faith is located. Where a man is striving for the possibilities of God. Where a man, a mortal man, who is subject to the beggarness of this world, refuses to just acknowledge only that cross, but stepping into the divine, stepping into the supernatural and saying, you know what, there is a possibility that lies beyond this rock, or rather there is a possibility that lies beyond this clay, beyond this hole, beyond this pit, and I'm going to strive for it. There is a God on my inside. There is a God on my inside. There is a God on my inside. And that's a very powerful perspective to have when it comes to faith. I, I listened to a podcast that required this morning. It was such a profound one. Mm-hmm. And it was sharing about a certain man who, back in the 1980s and you know, early 90s, uh, he, he used to travel around with his, and this was a colleague of requiring. Uh, I would rather not mention his name, okay? So he used to travel around with female secretaries and female assistants all over the place. And Rick told him, I said, oh God, <laughs> this thing you're doing, you're, you're playing with fire, you're putting fire under the bulls on, you will be burned. And this guy said, no, 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 you're being overboard. Because Rick at the time was using the Billy Graham template, the Billy Graham, you know, Billy Graham had this template for which he, he did ministry, which was that he was never going to be found in an enclosed environment with another woman apart from his wife. So anywhere you found Billy Graham and the woman, it was white. Especially if the place was enclosed and closed up, you would never be found there. So, you know, requiring took up that type of challenge and then began to live according to that type of template. And then, of course, this man that he was speaking to which was a massive man of God at the time, which, you know, just recently had a major scandal, sex scandal, all right? And he told him at the time that um, you're playing with fire. And the man told him and said, ah, no, no, this your rule is a little overboard. Don't you think that's just a bit too much? And the requirement responded under the inspiration and said, I will rather be a little overboard than be thrown overboard. And observing the events of the last couple of years, you could see that that man has already risked being thrown overboard 
by that scandal in his ministry. And what made him get to that point was because he, he thought of himself too highly than he thought. All right. He, he thought of himself too highly than he ought, rather. And he thought of himself too rocky to be a kid. He thought of himself too rocky to fall. And that's the challenge. You're a rock. So step out of this comfort zone that God has placed you and fly and jump. Angels will guard you. You will not fall into the pits if you just, you know, fall. You know, you're a rock. You can never become a pit. You're a rock. <laughs> you're a rock. Uh, but, but the other extreme also is not where faith lies. Because you can live as pit all your life and never actualize the plan and purpose of God for your life because all you ever acknowledge is your limitation, your weakness. But God says in strength, he's made perfect inside of your weakness. How could you lose track of that powerful statement and all you acknowledge is your weakness, how your background stalls you, how your mother didn't have the right framework to raise you, how you didn't have the resources, how you didn't have the friends, the connection. Who cares about your peace when the rock is asking for your faith? If you can just believe it, you will have everything the Lord has ordained for you to have. It's all about finding the right balance between the peace and the rock. If you're still with me, say, I hear you, sir. Amen. If you're still with me, let me know you're hearing me, okay? I hear you, sir. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, you, sir. (laughs) All right. I hear you. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. Because it's good to get our feedback, you know, (laughs) in meetings like this. All right. So we're not just talking to ourselves like this. Like the guy that was praying to himself. (laughs) Praise God. So what we find next in Isaiah chapter 51. All right, first thing is that Abraham is both a rock and a pit, and faith is found in the mix. Faith is found in the perfect tension between the rock and the pit, the rock life and the pit life. Hallelujah. I found that so powerful, really. And then it says, look unto your father Abraham, and unto Sarah that bear you. It says, because I called him alone, and I blessed him alone, and I increased him alone. Remember the story of Joseph? I was talking about how that the blessing only rests on Joseph because he was separate from his brothers. That is the protocol of the blessing of Abraham. It's a protocol of separation. It's a protocol of separation. Now, I'd like to say about faith that faith is an instrument of purpose. Faith all by itself is nothing. Faith is a pathway. It is an instrument of purpose. That is, faith and purpose are not two extreme or divergent elements in God. Faith is an instrument of purpose. Faith is the only way you can fulfill purpose. So as a matter of purpose, you need to have faith. Because faith is activated where the will of God is known. The will of God is the purpose of God. The will of God is the counsel of God. The will of God is the plan of God. So when it comes to fulfilling the plan of God for your life, which is fulfilling your purpose, there is no way under heaven you can possibly fulfill it without faith. And the Bible says that Abraham is the prototype, he's the pioneer, he's the principal, and he's the pattern of faith. He's the one to look unto. It is Abraham to look unto. All right. Abraham, look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. He says, For I called him alone. This is one of the biggest challenges a lot of people have. They find it difficult to be. Alone, they have a problem with just 
you know, being alone. They, they are too sentimental to be blessed. They are too sentimental to be called. They are too sentimental to be increased. They are too sentimental to be called of God, to be sent to the nations of the earth. They are too sentimental to be blessed. They are too sentimental. Because what happened was that Abraham was not the original plan. <laughs> All right, you know, this week we're hearing a lot of things around that. PD scattered everywhere on, on Monday when we were sharing that. Was it Monday or Tuesday? And I was talking about Lucifer and men. That, that's another kettle of fish. You should listen to the future and listen to it again. All right, but, but that's not where I'm going. Abraham was on the first person trying to, you know, assail onto the promised land, Canaan. Abraham was not the first. He had a father named Terah. Terah had three sons Abraham, Nahor. And Haran, praise the name of the Lord. And so in Genesis 11, this was after the old clearance that God did with the old world, all right? And so he wanted to start a new order. And of course, you know Noah, and then of that tribe of Noah, there was Shem. And then from that tribe of Shem, we had Terah. And Terah began those three sons, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And so at some point, Haran died. That is, Haran was one of the sons of Terah. And Haran died before his father, Terah. And so once Haran died, apparently Terah must have mourned. Of course, his family must have mourned. And then, of course, the, the daughter of Ter of Haran was taken to wife by Nahor. And then the son of Haran, which was Lot, was taken by Terah. And for some reason, Nahor, his family, they, go, they went and moved somewhere else and they settled somewhere else. But Terah took Abraham, took Lot, took Sarah, his wife, that's Abraham's wife, and then began to motion towards Canaan, towards the promised land, towards the land that God had told him. And as he began to go there on his way to Canaan, he found a place called Haran. Haran is the name of a son, remember? And this is not around the place. Haran was the name of a son, but now he's found Haran the place. And he couldn't move past the place because of his sentimental attachments to the person that he had known that used to be his son and now was dead. And now that the Haran the place became a stumbling block from him getting to Canaan, the promised land. There are so many things you will be, you will change in your life. If you become too sentimental, if you become too emotionally attached to the things that you should move from, if you become too emotionally attached to the things that you should move away from, you see, terror could not detach from the memory of Haran. And so once it got into Haran, he said, can we just mourn a little bit more? Can we just mourn a little bit more? It wasn't long, long ago when I lost my son. And here is the place that reminds me of him. Stop playing with dead things. Stop touching dead things. Stop thinking dead things. Stop getting around dead things. If you get around dead things, you will not get into the life of God. You will not get into the purposes of God. Stop hanging around dead things. Stop your neighbor and tell them. Stop hanging around that thing. Haran is dead. Yes, there's a place called Haran. But can you move on beyond Haran? Because that's where promised land is. That's where Canaan is. He was supposed to get to the Canaan land. But he got trapped in Haran. Because it reminded him of his son. It reminded him of his son. Her son's name is Haran. And he, the Bible says, he was also mourning because he died in Haran. Oh, there are so many people who, who die without fulfilling the purposes of God for their lives just because they become so sentimental, so sentimental, so emotional, so connected to what they should be disconnected from, so aligned with what they should be disaligned from, so embracing 
so in agreement with what they should never be yoked with, so comfortable, where they should never be convenient. They're so connected to what they should have been disconnected from. Haran was just a place he should have moved on, where he made it his own sepulcher. He died in Haran. He should have moved on from Iran to Canaan land, but he stayed in Iran because of the memories he remorted in his heart, and then he died in Iran. He shouldn't have been Abraham that we're talking about today. He probably should have been Terah. He should have been, I am the God, the father of Terah, Abraham, and maybe Isaac, and then it ends there, but God couldn't use him anymore. God couldn't start with him anymore because he was too sentimental. He was too sentimental. And that's why you now have this chapter 12 that begins to introduce Abraham in his full context. And when God was going to talk to Abraham, remember for Terah, there was a specific destination, Canaan. Even though for Abraham, it was still going to be Canaan, but God said, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. You just get out. Tell them to get out. <laughs> you just, I'm not going to make the same mistake. Because maybe, maybe, maybe Terah felt, oh, well, Canaan is just a few, a few miles away. Uh, let's just chill around here for a bit. You know, that's just Canaan over there. Oh, well, that's just Canaan. Well, any moment from now, we're going to get to get Canaan. Just a few more miles. We'll get, just, he's just over there. Can I point out? That's a man from Canaan. Let's just hang around here for a bit. And that's happened. He died in the lost. You know, in, in, in the former sentimental attachment, when they ought to move on to the destiny of God for your life, they stay in Haran and die in Haran simply because Canaan was just a stone's throw away. And this is why God says, you know what, the life of faith cannot afford you to have all the information. For those who are too analytical to be blessed, too analytic, analytical to be called, too analytical to be increased, He says, listen, this is not how faith works. Terra messed it all up. All right? Get out. Get out of your country. Get out of your king's rep. Get out of your father's hat. That's as specific as it gets. Get out. Get out. Tell your neighbor, get out. Tell your neighbor, get out. Get out. Get out. Go. That's get out. That's what it means. Go. Get out. You. Get out. You go. All right? Get out. Get out. All right? Get out. Get out of your country, get out of your kindred, get out of your father's house. And then he says, okay, now I'm out. Where do I go? A land I will show you. Wow. A land you will show me. Now, this is important. It says, get out. For Abraham, it was territorial. It was emotional. It was physical. It was mental. It was spiritual. For a lot of us, it may not necessarily be territorial, physical in that sense, but you've got to get out mentally. You've got to get out emotionally. You've got to get out, sometimes even physically, from your father's house, from your country, from your kindred. That's where, that's where faith begins. Faith begins on your way out. It does not begin in your father's house. It begins on your way out. It begins on your way out. God told Abraham, get out of your father's house. Get out of your kindred. Get out of your country onto a land that I will show you because this is how I must call you. I must call you alone. I must call you alone. I don't call you with other people. I call you separate. This blessing shall rest upon the head of Joseph. It shall rest upon the crown of he who was separate from his brothers. 
The challenge is this. We think separating from our brothers is denying our brothers. But the challenge is this. When you do not see what God is trying to do, you will think separation is enmity. But it's not enmity. When you are separate from your brothers, it is so that you can be separated for your brothers. You are not separated from your brothers just from your, from your brothers for the sake of leaving them because they don't matter, because they're toxic. No, you are the brothers separated unto God so that you can be separated for them. At the end of the day, Joseph saves his brothers. At the end of the day, Joseph is the reason why his brothers do not die some 13 years down the line. Joseph is the reason why they are preserved in Egypt. Joseph is the reason why they do not die of family in Israel. Joseph was not separate from his brothers for the sake of separation. He was separate from his brothers for his brothers. You cannot afford to bless people on their terms. You cannot afford to hang around people and say, I don't want them to think, you know, I'm different. Sometimes you've got to learn to be separate from your brother. You've got to disconnect from the people you have been sent to. Yes, Joseph was sent for his brothers, but he had to be separate from them first. Hebrews chapter 5 and 1. Bible says, for every helpers is taken from amongst men and ordained for men. Praise God. That's the protocol. God takes them from amongst men. That is, he separates them from men. But he now separates them unto himself for men. For men. That's the protocol. He, he takes them from amongst men so that it can be ordained for men in things pertaining to God. Hebrews 5 1. He says, so that it can offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. And so he makes it very clear there that men need to be separated from you. You need to be separated from men so that it can be a blessing to men. That is the only way you can be a blessing to the families of the world. If you're not willing to be alone, if you're not willing to be separate, there is no way God is going to use you to the ends of the earth. There is no way you're going to be blessed to the ends of the earth. There is no way the whole family is not going to be blessed, blessed because of you. If you're not willing to be separate from the people that are saved too, you've got to go up the mountain to get there. No. The Bible talks about this in Galatians chapter 1 from verse 15. He says, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother and called me by grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach his gospel to the heathen. He says, immediately, immediately. He says, I confer not with flesh and blood. The challenge is that we confer too much with flesh and blood. We're asking everybody's permission, everybody's validation, everybody's acceptance of what God has called us to do. Can you just shut up and get out? Stop asking everybody, do you think it's the right thing to do? Do you think it's the right idea? You cannot bless people on their turn. If you have to ask everybody you are going to bless, how would you like to be blessed? Nobody will tell you how God wants them to be blessed. God is the only one that can separate you from men, from men. He separates you from your brothers. He separates you from your kingdom. He separates you from your country. Not because he wants you to be alienated from them, but so that you can be a better blessing to them. That's the story of Abraham. Get out. Of your country, get out of your father's house, get out of your kingdom onto a land that I will show you. Leaving a friendship is not leaving the friend sometimes, leaving a people is not leaving the people, leaving a place is not leaving the place. You may be separated from so that you can be separated for the same people. So Joseph was separated from his brothers for his brothers. He was separated from his brothers for his brothers. 
But neither of them even understood why the separation was happening. They just felt they were getting angry with him, they were envying him, they were upset with him. He just felt they, they hated him and they were bitter against him. God knew exactly what he was doing. He was separating a man that would be separated unto himself, that is God, so that that man could be separated for them at the end of the day. Hebrews 5 1 just captures it so perfectly. Every high priest is taken from amongst men and ordained for men concerning things pertaining to God. There is no way you can bless people, you know, challenge people, encourage people, inspire people, motivate people without a season of aloneness, without a season of solitude. I remember getting on campus in part one. I'd, I'd, of course, I'd done pre-degree in Moreau and then I was getting on campus. And the Lord made it very clear to me. He said, there's some friendship you need to cut out from. You need to cut out from. You need to separate yourself from this friend. And I had to go and meet one of them. I said, sorry, I can no longer be your friend the way we were at pre-degree. It will not work. And what did God tell me? God gave me very clear. And he said, listen, this campus, I have a big plan for you. What I need you to do is to separate yourself. Separate yourself onto books. Separate yourself onto prayer. Separate yourself onto supplication. Separate yourself onto Bible study. The things that I did, you know, studying my Bible in those years, they were so profound. They formed the very foundation of my ministry till today. Powerful season of my life. Seasons where you look at him, doesn't have any friends. He's been separated from his brother. Separated from his people. Separated from his country, his kindred, and his skin folks. Separated. Only for him to, at the end of those years, become the most influential person on campus. That was the old plan at the end of the day. Because if, if you are too afraid to be separated, then you are too afraid to be a blessing. That's just, that's, that's just the reality. That is how God blessed Abraham. He separated him first. There are seasons you've got to confine not to flesh and blood. Get on the, on the mother of Arabia and begin to study and understand the plan of God for your life. It is not a good way to say God does not call people collectively. He calls people personally. He will come into your room and the word of God will come unto Isaiah. The word of God will come unto Jonah. The word of God will come unto Jeremiah. It doesn't come to the sons of the prophets. It doesn't come to the school of the prophets. It comes to people individually. And if you're not willing to be alone, you're not willing to be a blessing. Everything, everybody has to do with you. Everybody has to support you. Everybody has to sponsor you. Everybody has to crowdfund for you. Everybody, everybody has to be on your feet. You cannot be a servant of God. You cannot be Abrahamic. You've got to be willing to be daring. You've got to be willing to step out, get out. Even when everybody's saying no, get, you've got to be willing to do the will of God. At some point in my family, my mom was perhaps the only person that you know, sort of supported my plan of doing ministry. All right? <laughs> I remember this joke. Well, it's not a joke, it's a real life. It's not just a joke. This happened to me. You know, I was invited. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. I, was, I think every man was going to actually express his case like this. So this is my own version of the, of the framework, okay? So I was invited by a church. I think it was in the Kedja, Lagos. And um, I was, of course, in Ifi at the time. And then they invited me. So I gathered some funds. I traveled you know, down to Lagos. I didn't want to stay in my father's house <laughs> because I knew it was going to be Wala. So I said, where am I going to stay? Of course, I didn't have any other place to stay. They said, you know what? Let me despise the shame and endure the cross. So I went to my father's house. I said, well, if I perish, I perish. <laughs> so the father asked me, why are you in Lagos? What are you doing in Lagos? I said, I came for administration. He said, you ministry. I won't say the exact words he said. <laughs> you know what kind of administration is that one? 
you know, I said, I should have just kept quiet, you know, because, you know, you're not like, you should be talking back at your parents. So I should have just kept quiet so that the uncle would die now. I'll just allow him to and just move, move on. And after I said, if my passion is. What the ridiculous passion is that? He used some more interesting words. All right. What the ridiculous passion is that? I said to the school to buy, to buy, you know, make something good out of your life. You are going from state to state, following one ridiculous passion. What's wrong with you? Ex Baba was vexed. So after receiving the insult with joy, <laughs> all right, I now went for the ministration. I was an overnight session, and then I went for the ministration. And you know, <clears throat> it was uh, it was a video, so it was like a seven-hour video or something like that. In my mind, I prepared for like a one and a half hour or two-hour teaching session and all that, you know. And then I got there. I think it was around ten or nine, and then. Uh, you know, they, they had not started, I think they started around 11. And then they did everything in this life. They danced, they, they sang. Oh, everything happened though. Everything, drama happened, boobs were loose, as everything just happened. By the time I was going to call to teach, it was 4.15. Everybody was asleep. And they gave me 10 minutes. Can you just imagine? I traveled from Ife, entered my father's house, was led to the slaughter. My father finished him. I now went with all with my money, went for this ministration, only to be given 10 minutes to preach a message that I prepared for two hours. I didn't actually even change your message because the only way I could preach in that kind of atmosphere where everybody was tired and sleepy was to preach on joy. So that we can just get excited a little bit. So I preached on joy for about five, seven minutes and then wrapped up. And then of course, you know, the honorarium was a cold rice and one very hard boss. So like I stunned you like this, I mean, you could, you could, you could pass out. <laughs> That was my honorarium. Uh, and, and those were seasons that built character. You see, every minister will go through seasons like that, where you will do things only for God's sake. <laughs> only for God's sake. Now, I went through that story to tell you, you know, how that it was not the most popular thing to be so passionate about ministry, be passionate about the, the gospel in my father's house. At that point, I had to be separate from my father's house. I had to be separate. And, and you see, like I said, it's not just about separation physically. It's also separation emotionally, separation mentally, separation psychologically, separation, you know, in, in materials, separation in possession. Sometimes God will just alienate you from people that you know could help you, but God will rebuke you and it will ban you from asking anyone of them any kind of help or assistance. You've got to be separate from your brothers. You've got to be separate from your brothers. You've got to get to a point where your only source of confidence and assurance that you make it in this life is God. That, that, that's the only thing that guarantees you that your life will not be useless. That's, that's where God will not be able to teach you. As long as you have too many backup plans, ah, there's an uncle here that can sort me out here, there's one place here, I've done connection. As long as there's several plans, there's no plan without you. God has to be your only plan. And the only way we can ensure, can ensure that is your only plan is when it separates you from all your support system, when it separates you from all the people that will be giving you all the cheerleading. You know, we live in a very cheerleading-centric world. So everybody, you know, even when you fail, everybody's telling you, I don't worry, there's no failure. If you fail, you fail, though. If you didn't pass, you didn't pass. You've got to learn to, you know, chin up and just accept things the way they are. Don't, don't, don't cherry, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't. I'm going to work to you. All right? Don't pamper the thing. Don't just say it exactly the way it is. You've got to be separate from your brothers. 
This, this world where we, we need everybody to support us. We need everybody to like our image. For us to feel good about ourselves. If all, if all you get is a, is a validation from God, is it enough? That's where God wants to get you into. So he separates it from your brother. The support system that I've always relied on is separates you from your father's house, separates you from your kingdom, separates you from everything that you have known as comfort and convenience. And he says, I will show you a land, but you don't know the land yet. But you've got to be separated from what you know. And the one you are yet to know, you don't know it. Where are you? You're on the faith lane. Where are you? Where can we locate you? You're on the faith lane. The faith lane is between away from where you used to know. On your way to where you don't know, that's the faith lane. That's the faith lane. That's where Abraham spent the bulk of his life. Onto a land that I will show you. It's still a promise. It's still in the future. I don't even know what it looks like. But I'm willing to leave everything that I know behind. So that I can just capture the essence of what I do not know. Just because God said it. All right? Sometimes you've got to be separate from a brother's emotions. Where you're no longer relying on them to validate your work. And encourage you and say, well, that was awesome. <clears throat> if I was relying on your, you know, your text messages every service after I teach, to teach and to continue to be encouraged, I will never teach again. All right. If I was, you can't bless people on their terms. You've got to be separate from them to bless them. If I was too dependent on everybody in my church who is giving me A's and hallelujahs and amens when I teach, then I'm going to have a mutilated type of approach to teaching. I cannot be connected to the people and still be able to bless them. I've got to be separate away from so that I can be separated for them, so that I can be a blessing to them. As long as you are too dependent on the you know, validations of men and the connections of your brothers, you just might not be able to do the will of God. All right, because faith is an instrument of purpose. That is, if you are not willing to live by faith, now understand that you cannot fulfill the purpose of God for your life. It's just that simple. Because Abraham is a pioneer of faith. Abraham is a prototype of faith. Abraham is a principle of faith. Abraham is a pattern of faith. I'm going to be examining all of this in the course of these are teaching, teaching series. All right? So it's important that you learn to separate yourself and begin to sojourn onto a land that the Lord will show you. Is that not what the Bible also says in Romans chapter 1? It says, be not conformed to the world. The world is what you're already familiar with. It's what you already know. It's what you are comfortable with. It's your brothers. It's your country. It's your kindred. It says, unto a land that I will show you. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. All right? Perfect will of God. So it's important that you learn to be separate emotionally, separate physically in some context, separate mentally separate spiritually, separate psychologically. Stop depending on any other person apart from God. Paul, Bible says, he had to confirm not with flesh and with blood. He said he didn't even go to Jerusalem with the renowned people that everybody knew, you know. You know, there's a way you want to validate yourself with already, you know, with the superstars, with the big boys, so that when they validate you, you feel validated. But when God called you, you didn't ask anybody's permission. He called you. He separated you before you were born in your mother's womb. He separated you unto himself. Now it's time for him to call you and to preach the, the good news through you. Now you want to confer with flesh and blood, to ask if flesh and blood would agree with God, with God, what God did before the foundations of the world. That's just a very narrow way of thinking. What if flesh and blood do not agree? What happens? Your ministry dies? No, God did not ask the permission before he called you. 
So why should he need the permission before he activates the call of God upon your life? It's the same thing that happened to David. When his father had seven sons, his father did not acknowledge him as one of his sons. He had to be separate from his brothers. Joseph was separate from his brothers. Jesus was separate from his brothers. They couldn't even accept the fact that he was called of God. They mocked him. Maybe only Mary and Joseph could acknowledge and realize that this guy was called of God. But his brothers, his family, they really couldn't wrap their heads around it. He was separate from his brothers. Joseph was separate from his brothers. David was separate from his brothers. Abraham separate from his brothers. But you don't want to. Paul was separate from his brothers. Remember, I've been saying a couple of, you know, for a couple of weeks now, anyone who is going to do the will of God and be able to prosecute the counsel of God in his generation has to be someone who is not sentimentally attached to things, to places, and to people. To places, people, and possessions. The person that will have a lot of possessions cannot afford to be attached to any of those possessions. The person that will have a lot of people cannot afford to be attached to those people. The person that will go to many places cannot afford to be attached to any of those places. That's the plan. The only thing you must be committed to is the plan of God. That's where faith begins. So that when God says, now we move here, we move there. And we have a lot of people in our circles who, you know, who have exemplified this. One of the principal examples we have is our father, Pastor Daly. Anywhere God says, go, you go, you, you confirm not with flesh and blood. You don't even confirm where you're going and say, okay, this is where we're going. Who do we know there? When you get there, you will see all the things that God has installed for you there. But it's all about believing God. It's about trusting in God. It's about knowing that wherever He's taking me to, He has a better plan than whatever it is I could figure out myself. That's where faith begins. Because you need to understand that Joseph was separate from his brothers. And that's the protocol of the blessing. So if we are saying this is the year of the prevailing blessing, the blessing of Joseph, and you are not willing to be separate from your brothers, the blessing will not locate you. Because the Bible says the blessing has a designation. Let this blessing be on the head of Joseph. Let it be on the crown of him that was separate from his brother. So he comes to you and you are too connected to your brothers. He moves away because the blessing cannot rest on someone that is not in solitude, on someone that is not in isolation, on someone that is not on the Mount of Arabia, on someone that is not separate from his brothers, on someone that is not in the meat path between what you used to know and where God will show you. Or someone that is not on the faith name, the blessing can rest. The blessing can rest. God has to be your entirety. He's got to be your only sponsor. He's got to be your only source, your only strength, your only power. That's the only one you remember. This is some stuff in horses and chariots. And horses and chariots are sometimes people as well. He says, but we will remember. That is what you remember in the day of trouble, in the day of need, in the day of health, is what you really trust. All right? What do you remember? What do you remember? When you're in trouble, what do you remember? When you're sick, what do you remember? When you need stuff, what do you remember? When you're broke, what do you remember? When you need a job, what do you remember? Do you remember horses and chariots? Because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 31, I believe, it says, horses and chariots are Egypt. Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help. It says, because all of these things are not spirits, they are flesh. And woe unto the arm of flesh for it shall fail. It will never be by power, it will never be by might. It will be by the Spirit of God, Zechariah 4, 6. And so it is imperative, guys, that our faith journey begins from separation. If you are not willing to be separated, forget about it, just stop listening to this teaching, because that is the beginning point. Abraham was separate from his brothers. Terah could not be separated from his child that was dead. He couldn't be separated from the place that remained of him. So God was limited in his capacity to lead him, because he was too sentimental to be detached. This was why all the patriarchs moved and lived in tents, because tents had no permanence. 
can't have nothing that would drive it to the ground and make it so permanent that you're feeling oh, your investment will go to waste. No. So it gave them a movable structure of settlement where once God says move, they move with the tent because it is not a permanent structure. You cannot afford to be too sentimentally attacked to places, people, and things and expect God to move you according to the protocol of faith. It doesn't work. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Can you begin to pray tonight and just begin to search your heart and say, Lord, I, I, I separate myself unto you for the next two minutes. I separate myself unto you. I separate myself unto you. Enough of being too self-centered. Because the reason why we don't want to separate ourselves from our brethren is because we're not really thinking of those brethren. We're thinking of ourselves. That's why we don't want to be separate from them. We don't, we, we don't want to be alone. We don't want to be isolated. We don't want to be barren. We don't want to be all by ourselves and there's no help from anywhere. Am I just, you know, abandoned? We don't like that. But do you think God is enough clothing for you? Do you think God is enough shield for you? Do you think God is enough a strong tower for you? How could you be with God and still feel stranded? How could you be with God and still feel neglected and abandoned? That means you, you never really believe that God called you. You never really believe that God has a plan for your life. You've got to be separate from your brothers. And so you need to repent. If there are seasons in your life, God has told you to do something. And you feel, oh my God, how am I going to do this? I, I can't leave this place. I can't leave these people. I can't leave these things. Then you're not ready to walk by faith. You're not ready to follow Abraham, your father. You're not ready to look unto Abraham, your father. You're not ready to look unto him that was called alone. He was called alone. I like that. But he was not called alone for himself alone. He was called alone for others. He was not called alone and to be blessed alone. He was called alone so that he could be blessed for others. He was not called alone so that he could be increased all for himself. No. He was so that he could increase unto the ends of the earth. This is a very powerful part and shift you need to have. You need to be separate from your brother so you can be separated for your brother. The people that will be a blessing in this world, there are people who have learned to not confer with flesh and blood. You see some ministers that are not on social media. It's deliberate. They cannot be depending on likes and shares and still be a blessing to that same community. You can't be depending on, you can't bless people on their terms. And if you're going to be Abrahamic, this is the first point of call. Be willing to be separate from your brothers. Father, we give you praise. Our Lord, we ask that this word is established in our hearts in all truth and all righteousness. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you for having me, guys. God bless your heart. Thank you so much. Um, over to you, Charles. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Pastor. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.